I can't get away from what we were ministering last week about the storm. But today I want to I minister to you on being in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the storm. Last week we talked to you about weathering the storm. And I gave you about six different reasons why storms come. I'm not going to repeat that message, but I'll give you those six reasons if you happen to miss it. They come because of the weakness of our flesh. Storms can be created because of the decisions of others. Storms can also come into our life because of economics. Some storms can be called because of the political spectrum and uh, the political world that we live in. It can also be the media can create storms for us. And then lastly, I, I even believe the spirit realm or religion can create a storm for us. But what do we do when we're in the midst of the storm? How are we going to deal with things? So I want you to see something with me this morning. We read this passage of Scripture a lot of times, and, and we look at it from this aspect. It's preached most of the time that Jesus says, get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side because we got an assignment. I, I don't think that was what it was about at all at this present moment. Because he has just called these disciples and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Then he sets them down and he begins to teach them. And he instructs them on how to do life because he said, you're the light of the world and you're the salt of the earth. And notice something. Jesus didn't ask them to go with him. They just followed him. Jesus got into a ship and they followed with him and they were going. I believe, Charlie, they were just doing life. That's what they're about. It's time for us to go and do and live. The, he just taught them. So it's time for us to do the life that Jesus has instructed us to do and to live out. Now, I know there can be a, a specific thing on the other side that's going to be accomplished. But I've got to believe, and I believe that you and I need to live differently than what we've ever lived because this is one of the frustrations in us. We're, str we're struggling to find our purpose. And we're looking in it at a destination. Or we're looking at my purpose at the end of something. If I just get here and I know that I'm there, then I know my purpose. But what if your purpose is to live? What, is your, what if your purpose is just to do what we just declared? His breath in my lungs everywhere I go. I'm singing and declaring. I'm talking about the goodness of the Lord. And I am having more moments of purpose than I would ever have if I'm looking for a particular purpose to happen in my life. So I'm here confident that Jesus was saying it's time, boys, to go do life. Because this thing of kingdom isn't a here and there. This thing of kingdom is life. It's within me. So everywhere I go, kingdom is to be manifested. Come on, somebody. We've got to realize we've been doing church instead of being church. We go to church instead of acting like the church. There's a lot of things that happen, but this is simply a lifestyle. I know I'm going to have you repeat a lot of things with me, but look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is just about life. So they get in a ship with Jesus, all 12 of them, no doubt. The Bible said in this particular passage of scripture, I'm going to read it again. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed because that's what they started out doing. He just walked by and said, follow me. 
Something on the inside of them said, I need to be with you. I don't find a mandate that they had to. A decision was made. I'm going to follow Jesus. What kind of boat were they in? Charlie, I've come to believe this. You're a boatman. You've been out on the ocean tossed by the wind and the waves and all of that stuff. You have to understand something. We can read these passages of Scripture about the boat that only a few of them had understanding of, of their life. I don't think so. Because it was a means of travel in that particular area for maybe to get from one side to another side instead of walking all the way around the ocean. They didn't have automobiles, but what would be the easiest way to do would be to get in a ship. Jesus didn't say that he got in a fishing boat. He just got in a ship. There is a particular time that Jesus walks along the seashore, sees the fishermen. He does get in a boat with them, and he says, let's go fishing. He's not talking about fishing here. He's just saying, let's get on with life. Let's get on with our purpose. Let's get on with what we got to do. And no longer are they out in the midst of the sea or in the midst of the water. A storm comes up. The Bible called it a tempest. A wind begins to blow and begins to stir up the sea. I want to tell you something. That was probably not an unusual thing for that to happen. Winds and storms are going to come. I, that's what I want you to begin to see about life. Have anybody ever lived your life? And I've got people here from almost newborns all the way to, well, we don't want to go how high somebody are, some, or some of you are, but the reality, has anybody ever lived life without a storm in your life? If you have, I'm going to turn this pulpit over to you and you can tell us how you weathered it or how you avoid it. Because it don't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how young, how old. doesn't matter the color of your skin. doesn't matter about your nationality. Oh, by the way, our dear friends that have been a part of us and in my heart still are, uh, Pastor Sergio and Anna E. wanted us to say hello to all of you, give you a great big hug. So from Sergio and Anna E., here it is, all right? Me and Diane felt to go down and just check on them and felt like we needed to go encourage them, and we did that. But it doesn't matter. They've been in a horrendous storm. And there's many people. I don't care if you're red, yellow, black, and white. Storms are going to be about this life. You can be rich and you're going to face storms. You can be poor and you can face storms. You can be as highly intelligent and have all the degrees behind your name, but it's not going to exempt you from the storms of this life. You and I need to understand that. John, or Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 16, 33, he said, These things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation. That, world tribula that word tribulation means it means there's going to be moments of trouble and there's going to be times of sorrow. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Just because storms come doesn't mean you have to be defeated. Just because they come doesn't mean it has to destroy you. Jesus said, I've overcome it. He said, be of good cheer. But he also said, you're not going to be exempt from it. I don't care who you are. You're not going to be exempt from it. See, a lot of us, we'll look at all the major players that we will call the ma major players uh, on, you know, that lead us, these major ministries. 
Y'all know that my son Chad and Alexis came from a great church in, 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 in Gainesville, Florida by Free Chapel. Many of you know Jensen Franklin. And you watch his program and you see the anointing on him and you see that everything is going on. But you don't know what's going on in his family behind the scenes. You don't know that he's got a, a, a daughter that's walked away from, from his son-in-law. We don't see the trouble. You see Perry Stone, and Perry Stone opens the book, talks to you about all these prophetic things going. You didn't realize that he dealt with a son that had a drug issue and a problem. You watch people like Rod Parsley that can paint the, or preach the paint off the wall, not realizing that he had a son born with autism and such as that, that the doctors told him. You just need to walk away and we'll handle it from here. You don't see all of that stuff. We just see the anointing and we say, man, I wish I had that anointing upon my life. But not realizing just because you're anointed doesn't mean that you're exempt from storms. In this world, there's going to be storms. Matter of fact, Paul said it like this. Get ready. In the last days, perilous times are going to come. 2 Timothy chapter 3, in the last days, I believe we're there, perilous times. It's going to come. It's going to come in the world. I think we're already there. I think we're seeing times like we have never, ever seen before. Matter of fact, Paul went on to say it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful that with the temptation, he will make a way of escape for you that you may be able to bear it. We're not exempt from pain. We're not exempt from the things that are coming on the earth. And a lot of times, I, I love the way Paul said it. He said, uh, there's no temptation that has taken you. But su- Notice the word, but such as is common to man. So sometimes when you and I are in the storm, nobody's in it like I am, Matt. When I got a headache, ain't nobody got a headache as bad as mine. When I'm broke, busted, and disgusted, ain't nobody any broke or busted and disgusted. I'm. When you got zero, I don't care what you got. We're all in the same spot. Hello. All of these things factor. Paul said, we, it was such as common to man. David said it like this. He said, he said, I'm a man born into a world of iniquity or a world of sinfulness. Matter of fact, David goes on to say, there is a time or there are times of trouble. So you and I need to, need to understand that we are not exempt from the storm. When those guys got in the boat, we could say, boy, the devil sure was fighting. Well, yeah, we know he's fighting. He always is. Light and dark are always in a clash. Righteousness and unrighteousness are always fighting. And I believe the fight is getting bigger. But we find ourselves doing life in the midst of a storm. And these guys are out with Jesus. And notice what Jesus does. Jesus just goes to sleep. He's just resting. But his disciples haven't learned that yet. They're following him, but they're in the early stage of walking with him, Miss Judy. They've been taught by him. Oh, I'll give you one other verse that even Jesus left them with. He said, a wise man is this, a man that hears my word. 
and he does it. He's like a man that builds his house on a rock. And he said, when the storm or when the wind and the rains and the flood comes, his house will stand strong. But the foolish man is the man that hears the same word, but he doesn't act upon it. And when the wind comes and the rain comes and the flood comes, his house can't stand. Those were some almost the very last words that Jesus spoke to him. Then he said, okay, let's go do life. Gets in a boat. Jesus goes to sleep. Somewhere out in the middle of the sea or wherever they are, the storm begins to rage. The wind begins to blow and waves begin to press over the boat. And it starts filling. Now all of a sudden, fear fills the life of these disciples. Now we don't know who or what. We know that, I do know that there were at least four of the disciples that were very familiar with the water. Because they were fishermen. Andrew, Peter, James, and John. So they were not unfamiliar, but you had a tax collector on there. You had a, you had a physician on there. I'm not certain about all that being real. I'm not certain about all the occupations of the other, other than Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you my disciples. So they get out there, but I do have to believe if this is the mode of transportation or part of it through the day, they had been on a rocky time before, but this time, Donnie, we have water coming into the boat, and fear begins to fill them, and they come to Jesus. Listen to what they say. Lord, save us, for we are perishing. Lord, save us. For we are perishing. Here's, our, here's my first point that I really want to make talk to you about today. In the midst of the storm, I want to talk to you about the storm in you. Because I believe more times there's a storm in us that affects the storm around us. And that's why it, why it gets magnified. Is the storm in us. Notice what Jesus did when they woke him up. Jesus speaks and he commands the wind to stop. In the other passage that I'll be reading or we'll share in just a few moments, Jesus speaks and says, peace, be still. See, I'm confident that Jesus wasn't so much dealing with what was out here, although he did, as much as he was commanding the peace on the inside of them to be still. May I tell you that the storm that is raging in you will magnify the storm that is raging outside of us. How do you know there was a storm in them? Notice this. I'm going to share something. You need to catch this. Lord, don't you care about us? Don't you care about us? I want to tell you, there's a lot of believers, so-called believers, that have lived for God their whole life. But when a storm comes up, the first thing that we start challenging, Lord, if you loved us, this wouldn't happen. May I tell you, that has nothing to do with the love of the Father because He couldn't show it to us any greater than giving His own Son for us. But here's what I'm confident is. If you're not at peace on the inside of you when the storm is magnified, it's going to bring a greater disturbance of the lack of peace that you carry. You're going to begin to war with yourself. And it's really the war within you, the lack of peace, the lack of assurance. What do you mean peace? I'm not talking about when everything is still. 
I'm talking about because you can have peace and a tornado coming. I remember I'm going to use Charlie for a moment. When Charlie was facing COVID and was in that moment that he was getting ready to go on the ventilator, the nurses told him that most of the people, when they come to get ready to, to put that tube down him, to put him on that machine, most everybody is fighting them. They get in a battle. It's a struggle for them to get it on the inside. But they said to Charlie, because you were very peaceful, you were peaceful and allowed them to be able to do that. Why could that happen? Because he didn't have the fear of death. He had the peace of God on the inside to know that he was the Lord's in spite of what was going on around him. Hello? See, if you don't have peace inside of you that you belong to God and that God is for you and not against you, I'm telling you, this is, Lord, don't you care? You'll feel like God is trying to kill you instead of realizing you're in a world of iniquity, a world where storms are raging all around us. I'm here to declare something to us as the body of Christ. Because the storms are only gone if the, if the word is true. And I'll stand to be corrected. If the word is true, and Paul said it the way it is, perilous times are going to get worse. And, and I hear the prophet saying the same thing. Then we, the church, are going to have to find a greater place of peace with the Lord. And in doing that, this is what I believe. Listen to me this morning, church. I believe it's time for us as to believers, as believers to be all in. This is no time for us to ride the fence. It's no time for us to be halfway. You either are or you're not. You're either in or you're out. You're either born again or you're not born again. You're going to live for God or you're not going to live for God. There is no middle ground in this hour. It's time for us as the believers to sell ourselves out totally to the Lord. Because if you don't, you're going to battle within and you're going to blame everything out here. How many knows when you I, I know none of us are perfect in this room, or at least I'm not. Probably all of y'all are. Y'all a lot more holy than I am. You look it. But there's times I blow it. What do you mean you blow it? Don't take a lot. I just do something maybe. Somebody irritates me. Somebody cuts me off, ticks me off. I know that don't happen to y'all. That's why y'all saved. I'm getting saved. I'm going to be saved before this service is over. I'm going to be at peace with God. But you see, all of a sudden, the first thing that comes in is condemnation. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Right? Who walk not after the flesh, but follow after the Spirit. There is now no condemnation. See, if you're being condemned every moment of every little thing that you do, if you say something wrong, if you get a little bit irritated, if this happens, you mean, Pastor, you're giving me the liberty and right to do it? Not at all. But I'm saying when it does happen, and it does happen to all of us, my heart doesn't have to condemn me, and I don't have to go get born again all over. 
Hello, because I'm in Christ, and that's the point, that I need to have that full assurance that I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me. I'm sealed in Him. I'm sealed by His blood. Well, pastor, what happens when I do that? What should I do? Repent real quick. That's what little John or third John was saying. Third John, I think it's somewhere there about first John. That's it. First John 1, 9. It, he said, my beloved, I would that you sin not. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. And he goes on to say, if we will confess our sin, just say, hey, Father, I blew it. If I will acknowledge it. He said he would forgive me and he would cleanse me from all unrighteousness and he would move that from me so that I can live, I can get up and I can go like I never sinned. I'm here to tell us, church, if we're not at peace and sowed out in our hearts with God, it'll magnify the storms that are around you. And this is what you'll come to do. You'll come to, God, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm perishing? Don't you care that? And Jesus said, remember what he says in John. He said, be of good cheer. I've already overcome it. So why should I even be asking him, don't you care? You know what really disturbs me? Most of the church keeps convincing everybody ourselves about the love of God. We can't show it because we're not convinced of it. And if you're not convinced of the love of the Father, how are you going to demonstrate something besides an earthly, fleshly love that you have? But i got to be convinced and sold in my heart. And i got to deal with the storm in me. Let me ask you this morning, where are you at? Are you in or are you out? Are you up or are you down? Are you really a Christian or are you not? See, you really don't even have the right to call yourself a Christian. Because that's never what it was meant in the Scripture. Well, I'm a Christian because I come. No, you're only a Christian because other people see it in you. And if they can't see it in you, then we better take a good look. What am I doing that's not convincing them of the love of the Father that abides in me? Hello? They were first called Christians at Antioch. And may I tell you, that was more slander than it was compliment. They were slandering them. i got to get off of that and get on the next one and let get this jet down. Here's the second one. It's time to get fully in the boat. The boat was made to weather the storm. It's time to get fully in the boat. I believe the boat represents God's house and God's church in this hour. And I want to tell you, if you limit the limit to say the church is this building, you're missing it. But yet you can't be in the church and not be in this building. Because if you're in the church, you're going to want to go to church. You want to go where the people of God are, where God is moving. Pastor, you're just contradicting yourself. No, you've got to be in the house. It's time for us to get in the church fully in. We've let this thing called COVID deceive a lot of people. We've let this thing called live stream deceive us. I can sit at home and I can get as much from God in my living room as I can 
as I can. Why well, I said in the church, I got news for you, you can't. As wonderful as it is, and I'm thankful because now we can reach the world like we've never reached and people are following us. But God never intended for you and I to sit in our living rooms and just sit on a live stream and we're going to keep doing it and we're going to keep reaching it. But it was to never ever replace the assembling of ourselves together. Paul said in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, he said, he said, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, wait a minute. You better read the last part of that. The closer we get to Jesus, the more the storms are going to be. But Paul said, we're going to need the house, the coming together. Whether it's in a building like this, whether it's in the show me center, or maybe in Africa under a tree. But whatever, we are coming and we are getting in to the church. We're belonging. Hello. We're working on some things to make ourselves stronger and getting ready for what we believe is the greater harvest that is here on us now and coming. But church, we've, 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 we've got to settle something. We need to belong. Listen, you need to belong somewhere. We're in a generation that doesn't stick anywhere. I'll go here because I like it better there. I like this here. You need to decide something. I really believe that. We need to settle issues. We need to settle where God wants us. Crawl into it. And when you crawl into it, then give yourself all of it. Get in. Get involved. Belong to it. The psalmist David said it like this in Psalms 92, 13. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord are going to flourish in the courts of our God. I, I believe. I, I believe. Listen, it's amazing how many people want the church to help but don't ever get involved in the church. And they knock on our doors every day. Will you help me? Will you help me? Some of you in this place, you want the church to help you, but you don't get involved in the church. You see, belonging isn't just showing up on Sunday morning. It's getting active. It's helping be a part of what God is doing and what He's called us to do. Am I okay? Pastor, am I okay? They're looking at me real strange now. But it's helping fulfill what God has called to do. We're not called to do everything. But we are called to do something. <clears throat> and it's everybody. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. Not everybody can do what I do. And I can't do what you do. But everybody ought to be a part. We ought to feel that there's strength. When people come, they ought to feel that there's life here. And the reason that there's life is that there's connection in this place. <coughs> storm came. It didn't exempt them. That boat was to carry them through the storm. Isn't it interesting? God said, I'm going to bring a judgment on the earth in the book of Genesis chapter 6. So what did he do? He built an ark. Build me an ark. And he had Noah and he had his sons and the animals and he was preserving the seed. And he put them in that ark. And no matter how much water came upon the earth, the ark was able to, to rise above the floodwaters that were coming to cleanse the earth. I believe this is a picture of God's church because the boat was made to overcome. 
He didn't say the boat would never be tried. He didn't say the boat would never be pushed against. He just said it like this in Matthew 16, I believe it is. He said, in the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So if you're in the church, I got news for you. You stand a better chance of overcoming than you will ever do on your own. You guys need to get out of this thing. Well, it's me and Jesus. We got our own thing going. No, you don't. There's no private anything. If you're, I'm, I'm even going to push it there. You can use your excuse, I'm an introvert, I'm this and I'm that, and you never want to get involved in anything that's going on with the church. I'm here to tell you, you better take another look. You are not that spiritual. Hello. You are not that holy. We've got to have one another. That'll lead me to, are you okay? That'll lead me to the third one. Here it is. We got to work out with those that are around us. There were Jesus and the 12 disciples, but we we don't know who else was in that boat. That boat didn't belong. It didn't say it belonged to Peter. It didn't say that that belonged to Jesus. It just said he got in a boat. So it belonged to somebody. There was somebody else driving that boat. There could have also been other people in that boat. Here's the whole point, church. We're not called to do this without each other. We've got to have each other. I had a great revelation hit me this week. I preached this so much. I look at these passages, and I shared this with Pastor Val the other day. Ephesians chapter 4, he gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, till we come to the knowledge, or till we come into the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Put up that verse, would you, for me? There it is. From whom the whole body, watch this, from whom the whole body joint, joined and knit together by that which every joint supplies according to the effective working by each part does it share causes what? Growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So the reality is if you're not connected, you're not growing. Because you can't. God designed this thing for Charlie to be connected to me, to Crystal, to Miss Judy, to Adrian, to Miss Sherry, to Pastor Val, to Miss Diane, to Larry, and to Crystal, and the rest of you. That as we grow together, this is going to sound terrible, but it's kind of true. See, we want to go deep. I hear people all say, I just want to get deep in God. Well, what is that? And the other part, where is that? And what are you looking for? But the reality of it, you can't get there without me. Because there's a supply in me that supplies something in you, and you supply something in me. And notice what itself, it grows together. So the reality is the more that we're connected, the more that we're supplying with each other. The, listen, the more me mature every one of us ought to be and the more we're flowing so you guys that going to use pastor for a moment oh i'd just love to be like pastor val i'd love to prophesy like him i'd love for the gifts of the spirit to flow in me then get connected with me because as you connect with that it releases the giftings in you you may not do it exactly like him but it will cause you to grow 
who we hang around, not just hang around, but who I connect with is greatly important. We grow together. We get deep together. We go further together. Solomon said it like this. I guess it was his writings in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. You can come to the keyboard, Miss Tanya. He says it's something like this. If the team want to come back, I guess if they do, that's fine. He said two are better than one. Because he said they have a greater reward than their labor. I remember years ago, Miss Judy, I like, I still do. Y'all know I got a pond in the back of my yard that I fish in. I guess they call it a pond. I'm still trying to figure it out. But I used to go to the ponds out when I was in Kentucky. There was a place called West Kentucky Game Reserve. And I, a buddy of mine got me into pond fishing, especially for bass. And he would take, we'd find ponds out there. I didn't even know they were there. I mean, they're hid back in the woods of that place. And I remember we found this place and we, we were just wading out trying to cast down the bank. And I waded out on the water and getting ready to step back. And the next thing I know, a big snake come up right where I was at. Of course, that, you know what I did. I jumped out of there real quick. And this guy that I was with had, had a boat, Tom, like you got, that you put in your lake, a little pond thing. And we get out there in the middle of that little pond. It may have been about half the size of this auditorium. And we're fishing. And the next thing I know, snakes are coming everywhere. I mean, they're coming up all over that lake. I, we started calling it the snake pit. And evidently we were there in a time of breeding because they're there in pairs. And I mean they're heading towards our boat. We're smacking. We're using our rods to smack them away and everything else. And, and my buddy that was with me was saying, row Kokomo. That's what he called me. Row Kokomo. I said, I can't. You got the paddle. See, he was working but not getting very far because he was having to fight and row at the same time. That's what, that's what Nehemiah said to the people. He said, put a sword in one hand, a trial in the other. And he said, when your enemy comes, sound your horn and everybody's to run and we're going to fight this thing out together. You're not meant to do life by yourself. You're not meant to be a Christian by yourself. It takes all of us. Let me ask this. If we're in the boat, what kind of person in the boat are you? Are you a helper or are you a discourager? Because I got news for you. I think about these guys. We, again, we don't know who they are. We just know the 12 and there's other people. But which ones went to Jesus and said, Hey, don't you care that we perish? Maybe it was Matthew. Maybe it was Luke. Because they're not that accustomed to being out on the water all the time. Maybe Peter come, Hey, what are you guys worried about? Just a little bit of waves. Peter could have been one to encourage him to say, Hey guys, just hang on. We're going to get through this. One year we were flying to England. We took our boys with us. You know, you make that trip up north and you go over the ocean. 
I don't rest on the plane. That's just the honest truth. Call it whatever, fear, anxiety. I just want to get to the other side. Because if God wanted me to fly, he'd put wings on me. <laughs> but I don't like turbulence of any kind. And we're out over that ocean. We're about halfway there because I'm watching the screen. I got my ruler measuring how much we might try, how fast are we going to get. And in my mind, I know I have to talk to myself. That pilot wants to get to the other side too. But we reach this spot. He comes over the loud system. Ladies and gentlemen, just want you to know we're getting ready to hit a little bit of bumps. That's just a good way to say it. It's going to get rough. We got a few bumps we're getting ready to go through and we're going to press through it because we're coming up against the jet stream over the ocean. And I mean probably within just a few moments that plane starts bouncing around. I could swear it was dropping all the way to the ocean and coming back. My boys are having the biggest time of their life, Jared and Chad. They're just smiling. And you could hear those engines revved up and pressing against, pressing against that, you know, that jet stream as it was trying to push its way through. But I noticed that while I'm fearful, there were other people sleeping. And she's over there grinning. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. <laughs> I'm being real. Every one of us have a moment you go through that you need an encourager, somebody. It's going to be okay. Hey, hang on. We're going to get through this just, just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. We're, we're going to make it. You're going to be okay. I, I, I assure you. But at the same time, there could be, there could be discouragers in the boat. My question of you, what are you? Who are you? Are you bringing encouragement? Are you creating more fear? Go back to the early part of the pandemic when nobody knew exactly what was going on, all the shutdown, they began to talk about shutting and locking everything down. Everybody was, everybody was in the know of something. Oh, we just had 15 people show up at St. Francis with COVID, you, you know, and all this. And the reality, they just heard that from somebody else to hear that from somebody else to hear that from somebody else. And we didn't know for certain at anything, but we were taking everything that we heard as truth. And I remember one day when the governors or the president start saying, we're going to have to lock the nation down. I start thinking about my family and yours. Because we didn't know how it was going to work. My kids and my grandkids have always been finicky eaters. They don't eat everything. So I'm thinking, I'm calling up my daughter said, hey, you better go get some supplies and get it stocked up. I was telling my kids, you better get stocked up. The president's talking about locking the nation down. Everything is going to be shut down. That's what we, we just didn't know how it was going to work. I remember one day here at the church, I made some calls and I said, hey, we got to prepare our people. And Chad Schistler back here, he's a, he's a, he's been in the past a first responder working for the fire department such as that. And he come to me and he said, Pastor, where are you getting that information? 
He said, where are you getting your information from? I said, well, so-and-so called me. Do you know it's fact? Do you know it's true? Well, they called me. You, you know, Miss Pam called me, and Pam says it's true. She's like Facebook. She says it. It's God. And we see all this stuff. <laughs> he said, Pastor, we need to make sure that what we're saying and we're putting out right information because we could stir panic instead of calm. Hear what I'm saying? And I realized, wait a minute. The only guy in a panic at the moment was here. Not my kids. Not our families. It was, the, it was this guy. I needed somebody to settle me for just a moment. My question is for you. What are you? Are you, are you being a help to calm people in the midst of the storm? Or are we creating more firestorm than ever? Here's my last, last point. Go to the other story and I'll not read it. This time, the disciples have walked with Jesus for a period of time now. We don't know exactly how long. It might have been a year, a couple years. They've watched Jesus raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse lepers. He's fed the multitudes, crystal. And now Jesus sends, he says to us, Get in the boat and go to the other side. And Jesus stays back. He tells them. Now he's given them explicit, get in the boat, go to the other side. And Jesus stays back. Matter of fact, he goes up into the mountain. Miss Tanya, and he prays. And sure enough, and they're always seemingly like in the dark, another storm comes up on the sea. And this boat is being tossed and it's being pulled. But Jesus gave a command, go to the other side. And somewhere the Bible said around the fourth watch of the night, which is around between three and six in the morning, Jesus makes his way to the other side, walking on the sea, but never called on the boat. Nor did he get it. But he walked on the sea. So while these guys are in the midst of the sea, not knowing that Jesus is walking across, he's not coming to the boat. He's going to the other side. These guys are looking out. And I believe, Danny, that they're looking for land. I believe that's why they got their focus and saw Jesus. And I believe it was Peter that said this. Hey, y'all see that? There's a ghost walking on the sea. And Peter said, no, that's not a ghost. That's Jesus. And he said, hey, Jesus, if that's you, will you allow me to come? Come on. And the Bible says... And Peter, climbing down out of the ship, began to walk on the water. And you know the story from there, that he walks out and he begins to sink. I believe there's a greater picture than Peter walking on the water. I believe what Jesus was doing 
was showing what was coming and what they could do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go, that the Comforter, that the Holy Ghost will come. John said, when he was baptizing, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Here's my point, church. If there ever was an hour that you and I need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I mean literally filled and operating in the Holy Ghost, we need to be doing it now. I believe it was an illustrated sermon when he said to Peter, Come, Peter, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and the works that I do, you're going to do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto the Father. I believe he was showing us by the Spirit of God, we can can operate in the miraculous we can operate in the impossible but the moment we get back into our flesh we're going to sink because when he got his eyes on the wind he started seeing as a natural man and not by the spirit man he began to sink I'm telling you you need to every one of us if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost listen it's not religious activity It's God in you and you in God. It's God's power operating in you. That's where God wants you to be. If you're filled in the Spirit, you don't need to wait till you get to church on Sunday morning or a special worship service to pray in the Spirit, but you need to pray in the Spirit every day. You need to start saying, what are we going to do today, Holy Ghost? What do you want us to do today, Holy Ghost? As a matter of fact, you just need to talk to him like he's your very best bud. Like you would call somebody up and say, hey, what's going on, Holy Ghost? What do you want to do today? What's on your heart today? How do you want to direct me today? I'm here. We need to be praying in the Spirit so that we can move through the storms of life by the Spirit of God. You know that everything Jesus went through, he went through as a man... As much man as you and I. No more and no less. As much man as you and I. I want to tell you, if you haven't figured this out, if Jesus didn't bathe, he would stink like you do. No, it's true. Jesus the man, I'm sorry, I don't mean, I'm trying to make a strong point. Jesus the man had to use the restroom just like you and I did. He was man. But he was a man filled with the Spirit. That's how he could do the things that he did. That's how he could go through when they were accusing. That's how he could know, I don't need to be here. That's how he knew to overcome. That's how he could turn water into wine. That's how he could do the thing. That's how he could endure the cross and the things by the Spirit of God that was in him. And at the cross when Jesus said, matter of fact, before he even got to the cross, he said, it's expedient to you guys that I'm going away. So that he can come. Holy Spirit, my life can come and fill you and be on the inside of you. And one of the last words when he gave it up, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. What hands? These are the hands, your hands, my hands. He said, into our hands, 
I really believe that's what he was. I'm commending now. I'm releasing my spirit into the hands of my church. That is to represent God everywhere we go. That we can stand and live victorious. In the midst of the storm, you don't have to sink. I'm telling you, you're going to go through. We're going to be victorious. Well, Pastor, what about Miss, what's your name? Amanda. We're going to pray for Amanda's family in a moment. She lost her uncle, tragically. Well, well, what? Why did that happen? If God was so good, why? I'll be honest. I can't answer, and I'm not even going to attempt. But what I can do is say, Amanda, through the help of God and His church, your family's going to get through this. I can say that. John and Sarah Ryan are not feeling well this morning. They called, he called me to wanted us to pray for them. I can say to them this morning, guys. We're standing with you. You're going to be all right. I don't know, Danny, you and Miss Marilyn, I want you to know. I don't know how everything is. I know God has healed you. He's done it by his stripes. And we're believing for the full manifestation. But in the meantime, God is going to see you through this. In the midst of the storm, you don't have to be defeated. He said, in this world, John Kaufman just lost his wife not too long ago. I saw a post the other few weeks ago John put up. He's having a little struggle. I could tell it because he was expressing his heart. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, John. Because where great love is, and you look, there's great pain. But he needs to know you're going to get through this, John. With the help, if we could just stay in the boat, if we could stay connected if, through the help and the power of the Holy Ghost, we're, we're going to know how to navigate these storms that they don't, that they don't overtake us. Sometimes that's what Holy Ghost does. Remember what he said, Paul said, God will make a way of escape. Sometimes he delivers us out of all of it. Sometimes I just got to motor through it. Will you stand with me this morning? I don't know where you are. Maybe you're in the big, biggest storm that you've ever been in in your life. Maybe it's the greatest storm that you've ever faced. I want to tell you something. You don't have to be defeated. You don't have to be knocked down. You don't have to be overcome. You don't have to be overtaken. You can win. 